welcome to the 20th episode of the Estranged Podcast. Uh, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> Sounds pretty stupid. Your uh, master. Uh, your master. Yeah, we are, we are um, talking about the master today, Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm. And this was a film that you suggested, Adrian. Yeah. Why did you, ha- why is it of interest to you? Well, um, do you think that there's something like a classic of the 2010s? Yeah, I think there are a few. But that could like go up against like, uh, I don't know, like some of the greats from like the 70s. Oh, hang on a second. I got confused because I'm like the 2010s. Actually, maybe. No, I was thinking about the 2000s. Like there are a few from the 2000s, but the 2010s. Hmm. Like as good as like like Taxi Driver or as good as anything Mark Bergman or Kubrick. Kubrick is like, there hasn't been something like that, right? No, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm, it's funny, I like always pull a blank about contemporary film. And then when I actually think about it after we press stop, I'm like, that's no, this is really good. That's really good. Do you know what film was really good actually that I thought was going to be shit? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like sick the other day and I just wanted to watch like films on, you know, Amazon Prime and Netflix that were just mindless. And I watched um, Britney Runs a Marathon and the trailer, I just thought, gosh, this is like what, this is a film about somebody who runs a marathon, what? Um, And it was really, really moving. You know, it's like somebody gets their life together because they run a marathon, da, da, da. Yeah. Um, No, but it was, it was like Like totally not... Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I totally <laughs> yeah, <they're> it. <laughs> but but it was um it, it was really not um treated in the way of being the mm-hmm. obvious way that I felt I had anticipated it, and it was yeah it was really moving, and I did shed a tear. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but that's like um, that's a fiction thing. It's not like a real life thing. No, no. Well, I think it at the end it said that the film was dedicated to the real life Britney, who is obviously the friend of the right director or something. Who who yeah. Um, no, it's interesting about, you know, the idea that you can, like, get your life in order by, like, having a goal, but then obviously all goals are frigging arbitrary and yeah. it's all nonsense anyway. But, no, I I kind of was, like, um, yeah, I thought it was very moving and I kind of enjoyed it, so. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you think that there, there's... Surprisingly. Do you think that there's sort of, like, a time economy of the unconscious or, like, a chronology? Uh, like, do you think that a lot of people go through sort of the same epiphany... Uh, when they hit their 30s or when they have a kid or something that makes them want to like get their life together or like fill in the gaps that they feel and of course you know you can only fill the gaps with lies <laughs> mm-hmm. because they're like yeah. you know ontological inconsistencies but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you do your best to become like pattern oriented so that you can read like a book and do you think that there's like certain moments that are sort of universal for people that they can do that or is it just completely unhinged like chaotic I know yeah it's it's the funny I guess that's the question of like the universal versus the particular and like going back to the thing of like what we share is what we don't share and if we do what we don't share is like the contradiction and the antagonism of being yeah then potentially yeah there are some consistencies (laughs) I guess we deal with them in different ways but yeah it is funny it's like um what do you think have you experienced any like at given times in your life where you're like I have to do this and oh my gosh that's so like the quarter life crisis (laughs) yeah i usually you know what i usually feel like in order for me to kick start or trigger uh like feeling that way where i Mm -hmm. can i can sort of like gain certain motivation for patterns or whatever Mm -hmm. 
Jesus, I sound like Jordan Peterson or something, but uh, uh, I have to sort of go against what I think is the, what I think makes the most sense about my life. Mm. That's interesting. And change it. So like, yeah, I don't know when I read like the like radical, that's radical. Well, it's just like when I read like the Maya Sue book, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I don't have to be this like staunch uh, atheist, you know, Mm -hmm. but because atheism isn't just a denial of God, but it's a denial of a sort of guarantee or a promise or something that sort of like makes sense of things like like you know that's why marxists are like you know you can have like a fundamental marxist because like mm-hmm. eventually it becomes a sort of religion and god doesn't yeah. have to be there but you know like just when i read his book i was just like well there can be a certain like openness to something um mm-hmm. and that seemed like the the least the thing that I least needed at the moment, but it sort of inspires this like unrest that can be useful, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I have to say, I was just thinking about um, doing something crazy or not crazy, but like the marathon thing, getting your life back together. And obviously, yeah. of, of course, it's like a temporary patch mm-hmm. on the con- contradiction that's always there. But like, I definitely had, I used to um, be an athlete and then in my early teens and then I had you know periods of injury and all this kind of stuff and then I had this like ridiculous goal that I set myself when I was coming back into training and I don't think I would have been able to like motivate myself to start again and to get out of that like pit of feeling depressed without having this ridiculous goal and it really does work but I don't think it would work I've I've tried it it's like I used up the token that that (laughs) that one's used up (laughs) gotta think of some other like bad faith lie to, yeah. to, to keep going yeah. some other arbitrary thing i know it's funny because i i think maybe you touched on it last time when we started to record you were like i don't know how you put it but can you live in the country i don't know if it was something sort of to do with the idea of like okay you've read about or understood the kind of psychoanalytic insight or but like what then hap- what happens then and like yeah. isn't it really difficult because i have to say i i um was that when we were like, talking about like wonder yeah i think yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. not like childlike wonder and like not to be like too much of an open book but like i do think that maybe potentially a downside of um being more accepting of the basic antagonism of existence. Yeah. It's very freeing in many ways, but you do kind of feel a sort of anxiety that goes alongside it, that like, if you just literally believed in something or papered over in some way, yeah. you would avoid. Do you think it's like, yeah. It would come back as the return of the oppressed in some awful way that's more awful maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think it's like, okay, so I have a question for you. Like, do you think that mm-hmm. it's more difficult for a person that doesn't have uh let's say a purpose or something a person that doesn't feel like they have something to get out of bed for literally just talking about this before this conversation (laughs) yeah uh yeah like i mean okay so let's say some people you know fuck them but like they grow they like they just spring out of bed you know every morning and it's like Mm. it's incredible Mm. like you know i've talked Mm. about this with my wife and she's like she's i i ask her like how like, how dare you be this excited about going to see shorts at the store, you know? Because she might not even buy any, yeah. but she's, like, super excited, you know? Like, 
ordering like replacement heads for like the toothbrushes that we have or whatever like that's uh, nice yeah it's nice but like do you think yeah. it's a lot of people like because i was talking to a friend the other day and she was like well i just don't like you don't know what it feels like not to have any motivation at all uh mm -hmm. and i think that she thinks that her issue is that she doesn't have like a set thing maybe even a capitalist sort of thing with that it's just, it, mm. like a job kind of thing or uh, do you think that it's like easier or sorry more difficult for a person that feels like they have a purpose or something like that that they feel some I kind of I guess this is funny that this is motivated? like so yeah like there's so much you know there's like obviously so much contradiction at play like in everything and then like the contradictions are like generative but like okay so I guess on the one high it's one that was a Freudian slip on the one hide. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like terrible. Well, the next episode will Freudian be on that slip. slip. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's to do with like, um, I just made a film and we had like loads of leather uh, aspects to the, it was set in like 6,000 years ago. So it's not like some fetish outfit. <laughs> it's like mm, some, yeah. <laughs> some, and I, maybe I was thinking about like returning all the pieces of leather that, people wrapped around their feet i don't know and i'm sitting on a leather sofa maybe i'm trying to, oh my gosh why did i think that hide meant that hide can mean yeah like a, like hiding like you know not have people yeah. see you yeah so you oh, were just thinking about funny. like the text the animal texture like yeah mm. and I'm, I'm sitting on a leather sofa um that's a funny Freudian stuff i have to think about what that one maybe it um, really is that and you're trying to evade that by thinking that it's about hiding Hiding, yeah. Funny. <laughs> I had this, I remember, this is like a total tangent, but when I was um, like uh, at school, probably like 15 in the UK, you do these exams called your GCSEs, which is like a national exam for 15, 16 year olds. And I had a, um, did the Latin exam. And I think it was in the mock exam, I don't think it was in the real thing, but there was a translation and you get mm -hmm. like the translation and all the words that are on the vocabulary list you don't get yeah. provided for you in the text. And the ones that they think you don't know, you will get given and um there was a word in the text that was either tear or tear and whatever it yeah. was I, it was about a lion and i like misread it for either tear or tear the one that it wasn't and was yeah. so confused by the text but it's like That's how did though. i not work out like <laughs> that it wasn't the tear or the tear yeah you know? I don't that's know. i, I love when that happens because you, like that's when the unconscious i think sort of like uh, covers yeah, over the funny. gap and like gives it yeah. meaning. Uh, like I've heard, I've yeah. had that a bunch of times, especially. Yeah, uh, you know his band like Phoenix. The guy's like French, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. his his uh, his accent in English is like you, he, he like not mispronounces, but he has like an yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I've just like he sang a lot of songs, and I like I was hearing them, and I was like completely misunderstanding the lyrics, but they were very yeah, meaning. Hilarious. They were very meaningful yeah. to me. Yeah, because they reminded me of something or whatever. And then when I heard, when I read that it was like, oh, that's not actually what he's saying. I was yeah. like very, very disappointed. <laughs> I had the same thing with the. There's a singer, Christine in the Queens, mm -hmm. and she was saying a few things, and I thought, um, she was. I thought she was saying a line in half in English, half in French, but it was actually completely different. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It was like, oh, right, oh, that's what it is. It's always fun looking up lyrics, and I guess especially when someone's like not. Yeah, singing the native language, you're like, oh right, that's different. <laughs> it's like the Warshark test of what the song means. You just like, just like fill in the gap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were talking about the idea of like having of motivation and like, 
Um, I literally, before we pressed record, well, actually, I, I just had a conversation about <laughs> this. I just wanted to say something be- else. before we move on because, like, we were talking mm-hmm. about music. Did you? Because mm-hmm. I have this like uh, mild take on. Uh, did yeah. you? Did you hear the new Coldplay album? No. Well, you know, Coldplay hasn't been like great for for years already, mm-hmm. but um, I I get the feeling like because the, the new album is like very sort of like ethnic and it's really? like it's like an attempt at universalism i guess because there's like a yeah. there's like different languages and chris martin talks with a with a like sings with a with a choir of like black people and mm-hmm. so it's very like you know like oh one world or whatever the uh, return of world music yeah, 90s returns yeah so so i was gonna tell you yeah. like there's no way that y- like you know who yanni is right no. Yanni is like this musician, composer, like uh, director, uh, like music director okay. that music was like director, very, yeah. very famous in like I think the eighties and nineties, and he mm-hmm. had like world musicians playing like uh, oh. the Duke and like this the the yeah. j- just like like tem- the the tempura like just like weird instruments, yeah. and just like very sort of like universal music, and yeah. I feel like Copley is like the new Yanni. Um, That's interesting. I did. <laughs> I have been literally wondering about whether we'll have a revival of it. I think I, s- I sent you like maybe six months ago. Like, there's a music video from that that song that everybody would know if you played it, which was like a really ubiquitous kind of like feel good mm. world music thing. That's of these like, it's like a oh god, I think it's some like Nordic people, and then they made like, you know, that kind of. 90s electronica based on it was like a chant of some like man- mongolian elders or something yeah i, I want to find it and like yeah and but like, i was saying we should do like a whole episode on that song because yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> no, just, they're like they're like yeah no i'm just like very weary of like this whole message of like if, if only we would understand each other as uh, as uh, you know as humans and not as others mm-hmm. like you know everything would be okay one world one no. language whatever no. it's just like grow the fuck up <laughs> like yeah. you, you, you know no. that that makes sense when you're like watching disney movies you know but uh yeah yeah there's you know people are meant to sort of like dislike each other like that's okay there's enjoyment mm-hmm. in that and you can you can lend yourself to be somebody's scapegoat you know and like that's fine i know and the thing is that yeah all that all that ends up in that you know it's obviously midsummer painted the um scapegoat mechanism really well it's like mm. <laughs> all you end up is like it's nazism so that's why i like christianity because it's like uh mm-hmm. you know to be christ-like is basically to allow yourself to be a scapegoat so yeah you are not the prophet in your own land or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like exactly um anyway yeah i just wanted to say yeah that, i know like, and the only lesson from yeah interesting i have to listen to it yeah and the only lesson from the other is that they are completely divided <laughs> they don't have anything to tell you <laughs> exactly like, like yeah like yeah that that's all that's part of my like confusion with this whole thing it's just like a lot of like liberal sensibilities are about like being hurt um mm-hmm. and it's just like first of all you're not above being hurt but also you're not under uh it, like uh, acknowledging that nothing should actually hurt you like nobody matters that much that they can hurt mm-hmm. your feelings in a way that is like fundamental mm-hmm. uh it's just like everything is taken so seriously to the point where you know irony is like dying and uh sort of ske- yeah. like a skepticism of the other's capacity to be able to define you is like 
way too. It's funny when you like when you are the hero of your own particular drama. It's like you're, of course, everything takes on this huge weight and meaning. But when you're just like the temporary tick or grimace of the universe, nothing. Mm -hmm. Like like yeah, you're just a speck. Nothing. You've been eaten in a million people's. Well, not probably not a million people's, but like many people's risottos before. (laughs) Or like I don't know. You've been the blade of grass, as in your atoms that are temporarily part of hosting this like weird plaster over the void that is your subjectivity yeah, for like yeah, yeah. 80 years. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, yeah. so going back to the, should we go back to the film? So, or? Oh yeah, no, I was just going to talk about, yeah, this, this kind of like in order to, this like a dual thing of like in order to, I think um, Peter did like a um, a commentary on, the film we made making love and like talked about this but like you have to like revolve around in order to be able to revolve around yeah this idea of like motivation and mm-hmm. like melancholy and depression and you get depressed when you don't have the lost object but then you're melancholic if you have have it too much and like yeah. i don't know you do but then you, you i don't know whether you know talking about motivation it's like well you always do have a lost object i think unless oh yeah and then the other idea is like if you can overcome the fantasy of the lost object was supposed to be like freed from self-sabotage so you should be like more i don't know if motivated is the word but like yeah i don't know i don't know but you know you, what is motivation maybe you need motivation to overcome self-sabotage i don't know i'm just like but what do you think yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but wouldn't you say maybe that uh, all success is a sort of uh, a production of self-sabotage all success is a production of self-sabotage. Maybe even success is such a, like, Amazon sort of word, like Jeff Bezos word, but, like, uh, all uh, gen- generative power comes from self-sabotage. I mean, the thing is, yeah, like, drive. Um, like, is, uh, like, I mean, what's the most, like, obvious symbol of... Uh, oh, you mean, like, accumulation? Yeah, like, accumulation or... You know, even even when even yeah. when you devote yourself to something that is like supposedly worthwhile, it mm-hmm. includes like an alienation of like the other. Like for example, you'll you know you'll 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 spend less time with your family because you're dedicating yeah, your yeah. life to something or whatever. And I mean, that's like sacrifice, right? And like things take yeah. on value because of sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice but is like, like the more mm. romantic. I think uh, like yeah, exactly. Is it like sa- sacrifice or de- death drive? And that yeah, like after. See, I think Shijek's probably talked about it a lot, but like the capitalist is the living dead. I mean, they're the yeah. zombie, just yeah. like harming themselves to accumulate more that they don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. I like that. So, in terms of the master, mm-hmm. is it, I mean, obviously, like it's a take on like L. Ron Hubbard and like um, Scientology, which I guess is just another attempt to paper over the antagonism yeah. by coming up with this really elaborate narrative but mm-hmm. uh, do you have any thoughts on the film as such? Well I like artistically I just think that it's um, it's melancholic I think first of mm-hmm. all like uh, like uh, like psychoanalytically I think it's it's uh, I don't know I just feel like like he's such like I feel like P.T. like P, uh, P. Anderson is like so within film that mm-hmm. like the 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 way that he makes the films it it just feels kind of melancholic like there's a there's a sort of like it's interesting s- there's a sort of sad mastery that you know it's 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 a little bit like 
lazy and uh I don't know, it's like it's bored with itself, but it's doing it perfectly. Um That's interesting that you say that. Mm. Um yeah, I mean that's funny. I was thinking film filmmaking is like mountain climbing where it's like takes a sort of like odd person to to reach this sort of like insane lost object like the mm -hmm. titch that is the mountain <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry but like mm -hmm. um yeah and then so it, it's like it's, it's such this like runaway beast that like is so difficult to control and that requires so much freaking sacrifice and like well like it's not exactly going down a mine but like it's very yeah and then once you've mastered it it's like oh yeah you know yeah. But yes, well, as you know. I mean, the, the the reason why I think that the film is so interesting is that um, so uh, uh, Dodd or Philip Seymour mm -hmm. Hoffman, he's like this this like cynical sort of leader. He doesn't believe yeah. in what he's like selling because yeah. as soon as he's questioned, he's just like, <laughs> I love this sort of like uh, weird like insult that he this guy starts like who is a very annoying guy actually. He's just like this sort of empiricist. And it to me it seems like the, the type of person that would love to have like an argument on a philosophical video on YouTube or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's just like he's just like questioning the guy, and he's just like, well, it doesn't make sense that you do that, mm -hmm. and like, how can we have proof or whatever? And mm -hmm. uh, he gets like extremely upset. And uh, um, anyway, like he. He's just like he he obviously doesn't believe in what he's selling, but he's like cynical about it and he just continues to do it. And like as the film progresses, it becomes more and more pathetic, like the way that it's obvious that he's just like, you know, like desperately trying to maintain a position of admiration mm -hmm. with his family and the people that follow. Yeah. Him. But um, and everybody else is a fool, you know, thinking about this, like the cynic and the fool thing or the yeah, the, the, the knave. And mm -hmm. um, I just think it's interesting that, like, the reason why he's infatuated with Freddy or Joaquin Phoenix is that mm -hmm. uh, he he doesn't fit into that sort of mold. And yeah. basically, I think that that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is like this psychotic person that is just like willing to go to the end and like maintain this sort of belief in what he's doing, but even if it's cynical. Uh, mm -hmm. and it, Freddy's like this perverse sort of figure that is like completely like uh, he he can't be incorporated at all. Yeah. Uh, even if he like tests the the religion and the <laughs> rituals or whatever. So it's just really funny that like it's basically like the the only thing that was left out at the end is like that they fucked. Um, mm -hmm. Like it should have <laughs> been there because like he obviously fell in love yeah. with it because he's like his object of uh, of desire like i think yeah. that like cynicism is sort of like a response to a loss and mm -hmm. i think that at some point because like throughout the whole movie um philip seymour hoffman is just like you remind me of somebody and it's obvious that it's like himself like yeah like he couldn't he couldn't not believe so at, yeah at the end like he just became like an extreme believer even though he's a cynical one and i don't know i just thought yeah like that it's, dynamic it's quite like interesting. interesting and at the, i think just last just the last thing i'd like at the end mm -hmm. he's like uh what does he say something like you know sail sail away or something and like if you can if you find that you can live without a master just like come back and tell us all because there hasn't been a person in the history mm -hmm. of the world that 
that can be. So the reason why I think that like the master <laughs> is so the perverse, yeah, that's I, interesting. But the reason why I think that um, the 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 film is sort of like. Uh, masterpiece of the 2010s it's because mm-hmm. it's like right at the cusp of the technological era and I think that yeah. the technological era has basically made it impossible to believe in anything because all structures are mm-hmm. made bare or at least mm-hmm. you know that we think that they are and that sort of makes it impossible to admire anything at all <laughs> everything at some point yeah. like reaches reaches the point of ridiculousness like way too fast yeah. so I think that maybe there's I don't know. Like a lot of people say that we're like in the hysterical phase, but mm-hmm. m- maybe we're like in a perverse phase where just like everything is everything is questionable and nothing has like a yeah. static position, you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, the fir- see the first thing I was going to say is like um I think it's very tempting often um to see in people who don't possess your structure a sort of like magical understanding of the universe. Yeah. Like often I feel like um this could be incorrect, but I think, you know, neurotic people often fall for the psychotic because the psychotic, you know, that uh, experiences the oneness that the neurotic wishes were possible or something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or, okay, I mean, this is going to sound uh, very particular, but um, with a neoliberalism, I think there's a tendency in popular music and popular culture for a certain type of artist um, that is basically like, a sort of court jester figure without it being like on the surface for wealthy hysterical white women mm-hmm. providing this like magical lesson that they can learn <laughs> if you know for, as like a release valve to their structure and they see in this person this like magical lesson without lack um, yeah yeah without lack or like you can be a girl boss or like you can no 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 um yeah, which I think is kind of like sad, but and I think we can kind of see it in those that the neoliberal um, system promotes. Yeah. And I actually think it's kind of sad, but I think not to say that like a lot of people like aren't talented and stuff, but like a lot of it is like for a certain demographic to like yeah. have this kind of like magical lesson and a different way of being. Yeah. yeah, and I do think you know, like gurus often, you know, <laughs> like yeah. maybe perverse or psychotic. And I know a lot of people might see sort of perverse people who seem to like not care about the big other and everything like oh god that's so i wish i was like that but obviously like the antagonism lies elsewhere um but i hope i hope what i said about the like pop culture thing wasn't bad no i think it makes sense there's a yeah Yeah, i hope i would get in trouble for that no i've i've thought about it i think it's just i don't know i think it's just part of it's an important part of culture and i don't think it's anything that yeah i'm not saying it's like it's like yeah. yeah Yeah, 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 I don't think it's also like particular to like a certain type of person for a certain group, but just in my head was, I think, one thing. But I think, you know, often things like, you know, probably sort of like someone like Marilyn Manson in the 90s was that mm-hmm. for in a different era, you know, that they they represent some kind of like psychotic other or that has some like, yeah, idea. I don't know. Anyway, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I just think it's interesting that like often you, it is like, wow, I wish, and you know, obviously historically there's been like the, the question that is the woman for the obsessive man, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this kind of like mystical feeling being that's very different. Yeah. I don't know. And obviously that's like a huge generalization, but let's just, you know, if, if we're talking about like an obsessive and a hysteric structure, yeah, um, which not everybody is according to their gender, but um, yeah. 
Yeah. And I, then well, actually, the other, sorry. No, no, go for it. No, no, you go. Well, I'm just like following up on what you said. I was just thinking mm -hmm. that, um, well, I was listening to Red Scare earlier. Yeah. And, and they were talking about like subjectivity and femininity. And mm -hmm. uh, they were talking, and it, this kind of like ties a little bit to like Zizek's book of uh, the Sex and the Fail Absolute. Mm -hmm. um, basically, what they were saying is that, well, Anna was saying that like there's a sort of I subjectivity is born out of like femininity and its capacity to be able to produce, uh, to sorry, to reproduce. And then Dasha was just like, well, that's not necessarily true because there's like barren women that are still like feminine. And I was like, I I kind of thought that maybe Anna was onto something because isn't isn't subjectivity born out of the fact that even if you're a woman that is able to reproduce, uh, it, like you're still barren because it's like a woman is unable to to give birth to a simple animal, you know, that is not without mm -hmm. the lack, you know, that is not with, so there's like this like failure, you know, to be able to give birth to a simple a simple being that is just like without death drive. So mm -hmm. I, that I think there's really something there like that. So for sure she said femininity is. Yeah, that femininity is basically uh, like the, the what gives ground to subjectivity as such, like for men and women, because it comes from this like inherent barrenness to not be able okay. like not being able to like give birth to you know what can continue yeah. on and like with you know like the the failure is like the ticks and grimaces you know like yeah yeah i definitely and i do think um that you know our nature is is our nurture you know and the subjectivity mm -hmm. is like comes out of a material condition yeah. the material condition fa you know there's a fate it's like a, a contingent failure yeah and that all does obviously come through um birth and yeah. separation and yeah yeah I, I would have to think about it but yeah this sounds like it could be like on to i always find um that um i always get nervous of doing the same so not that it's not that it's a bad thing it's just like a fun conversation often but like there's a sort of a um uh mm -hmm. what's the word of saying it politely i think you know what i mean like a yeah uh, uh i don't want to say the words that i'm going to say but like a um sort of guessing but i guess we're all guessing so whatever get you know. get like like the guess as in oh yeah 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 but uh well that's yeah. a question mark and we're all revolving revolving around the question mark so yeah that's yeah, cool. yeah. yeah that's um cool. yeah and i just thought like so talking about that sort of like the self-questioning thing that mm -hmm. all, that all people have and that like you know, breeds like sort of like the, the hysterical sort of deviation. Um, mm -hmm. I just think that like Freddie is like Freddie or Joaquin Phoenix is always running away mm -hmm. from his own subjectivity. Like he, okay. like every time that they, like there's this really funny part where they're like showing him Rorschach tests or like yeah, yeah, charts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like everything yeah. looks like a vagina to him, like com mm -hmm. like everything. And it's just funny that, you know, he's like making fun of it because he doesn't, <laughs> Like he can't even believe in that, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, there's the funniest, the funniest Warshak test, and seeing female genitalia is Peep Show, season one, <laughs> yeah. episode. <laughs> I think it's like episode three or four. Um, Watch now on Hulu. <laughs> 
yeah oh my god it's amazing and he's yeah. uh, basically it shows his inner his inner thoughts and he's getting like um career guidance for fucking up he did like oh it's a long story he like pisses in his the desk of his boss after he <laughs> doesn't get a job and his like love interest does and mm. <laughs> he does a Rorschach test and he's got his inner voice and he's doing it so you know just say say what immediately comes into your he head and he's like says basically female genitalia in like the rudest way and then he's like a kitten <laughs> anyway no it's yeah. very it's very good peep show is absolutely genius we started watching it again last night and i was like fuck i haven't seen it for like a year and it's just the best um yeah. i was gonna say something about something that i think the master gets wrong but i think that joker gets right is that i think um the master like explains freddie too much or like his symptom or his structure too much in a way that joker um joker is like pure symptom pure contingency and like films tend to explain people's way of being mm -hmm. whereas like i guess that's like the, the 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 structure of narrative it has to like rationalize and that's the way it covers over the antagonist it has to make sense but um in a way the actual way of being is like not a result of anything it just is and it's like a retrospective justification for what's happened previously mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love that <laughs> no, i love that uh, i think that i think that like the ma do you think that the master is about freddy or about uh dodd that's an interesting question. I mean, because it's called the master, but then the master is always a relational word, isn't it? Like, yeah. there has to be a master of something or of somebody. But isn't the whole movie about like how he can't be a master, like how he's like castrated, yeah. and especially by by Freddy, because Freddy is like this agent of decay, like anything yeah. that he comes yeah, close he brings to, me, like, yeah. like he's like he's like he can't be psychoanalyzed, you know? Like he may like he's he, Irish. He becomes sort of like a. What's that word? Um, like a trickster, you know, that like yeah. everything that is put in front of him, like he can't be read by it. Even if he tries, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's, he's born that way, I guess. Like he, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he can't well, it's true that relationship, like, even if, even because it's kind of, I don't know. I think to me, it's kind of obvious that they're like in love or something. And mm -hmm. even being in love with him, it's like he, he still can't be read. You know, he can't be incorporated into like the master. Yeah. The master it's interesting. Like, but you know, like love is, um it is to do with like never getting never being able to know the other yeah you know it's like perpetually like trying to find out yeah like being, uh, brief like encounter. kind of okay with it yeah never exactly and like never knowing really the other yeah it's funny how love works it's like you're kind of like okay with just never being able to like master who the other is you know yeah. and the closer you get the more you're like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> um yeah I so they, they, i think the, the hot take is like that this film is a more perfect romantic tale than like broken uh, like brokeback mountain because they, yeah. because they don't fuck <laughs> in this one <laughs> yeah well exactly oh my gosh um what was i gonna say oh, yeah so it's interesting what we've we're talking before that a psychoanalytic friend psychoanalytic friend Mm -hmm. A friend who's a psychoanalyst was saying that most people he sees like psychotic these days and another psych psychoanalyst friend oh, said yeah, yeah. it's hysterics. But obviously there's this thing of like psychoanalysis is maybe for neurotics. Mm -hmm. But like I've known people who are um, have a perverse structure do psychoanalysis and I don't know how far they've ever got. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> do you think yeah. like like neuroses? Do you think that's like at the core of beca- like w- once you consummate being a consumer, uh, mm-hmm. you be- like you've reached hysteria. Once Sorry, you uh, consummate being a so once you consummate being a consumer. Sorry, the you... reason the reason why I'm asking this question is because you know mm-hmm. how a lot of people say that uh, psychoanalysis is for rich, rich people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just think that like. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. I mean, I guess that that's because of the cost of it, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of like the also, I like yeah. the point that. Um, Sorry, I'm gonna sneeze. No, go that's for it. Coming, huh? <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, you're good. <laughs> Uh, Do you have a good sneeze? I feel like people's sneezes like really vary in how embarrassing they are. Like my mom's got like no, I, I re- a ridiculous sneeze. <laughs> I repress my sneezes. There. Do you like, do, the, do you like swallow it and go like? Yeah, that's that's not good. That's for funny. Brain. I feel like I just blow out like like a thousand uh, brain cells. Brain. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, um, yeah. yeah the, so psychoanalysis for rich people. Yeah, I, I oh. kind of like the the point yeah. that Jameson Webster made that like mm-hmm. yeah that you shouldn't yes, assume that uh, you shouldn't assume that poor people don't have an unconscious mm-hmm. you know absolutely like, absolutely yeah. I know and the other thing so talking about like psychoanalysis and capitalism like some people have posited that psychoanalysis like comes about because of capitalism and it addresses a yeah. psychic structure that's created by capitalism but it's like no capitalism is an emergent of the psych of subjectivity yeah itself. You put, yeah you put it so much better than me i think that's what i was trying to say is that like do you think that psychoanalysis is for people that are completely sort of incorporated into capitalist sort of uh, culture well it's funny because it's like what comes first subjectivity or capitalism and i think subjectivity and yeah. then like capital uh psychoanalysis is like a it's like a key More universal, that fits yeah. into the lock of yeah. the capitalist subject. Yeah. But that's just subjectivity itself. And like maybe, you know, like different historical configurations of societies, mm-hmm. like the um, the location of the, um, like the scapegoat is more clear or the location of the like papering over of the antagonism is clear. You know, you have like the um, divine right of kings or whatever. And like, Capitalism paints itself as there being no antagonism. Yeah. And so it like the location of it is not so obvious. So we become more clearly us ourselves, as yeah. in like our anxieties are more palpable and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because we, there's no like grand explanation other yeah. than the market. And we are apparently free, but we're obviously not, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why. That's just like a stupid, like, I, I really, like, I do, I'm so guilty of it. And you know, <laughs> as well, like, you often, like, get annoyed with things that one does. Why did I go from you to one? But, like, mm-hmm. as in people or slash I. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, no, no, I have to do a tangent after this. It does relate to the film. But anyway, I get annoyed, and I think people do. Um, with things that they do themselves and that I do myself. So I'm yeah. like, I, I'm a total like hot taker and like <laughs> guesser yeah. and opinion haver when I'm like, no, I, w- I want to try to be like <laughs> factual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, okay, so somebody I uh, know uh, is really into this thing called, what's it called, Gestalt. And mm-hmm. Gestalt is like a, it's, I guess it's a deviation of a corruption. it's a form of depth like a form of depth psychology but yeah, it's all yeah. about like you have to own everything you say so you can never 
refer to what you're doing in the third person or say you instead of I. You always have to say, I do this. I do. Anyway. Hey, that, that's like, you know, that's the first mistake because it's like, it's too much emphasis on identity. <laughs> you know, like, yes, yeah, as if it's like taking it's taking the subject at its own at its word. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what? Yeah, yeah. I am like three things simultaneously. Or well, mm-hmm. I've got the conscious, my both my unconscious and my con- you know, yeah, conscious. And then there's like the super ego, the id, the ego. You know, like I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah um, well, I I think that okay, so. I think that the way that I would describe it then is that perhaps uh, being incorporated into capitalism is sort of like a fast car to yeah. needing psychoanalysis because like yeah, psychoanalysis yeah, yeah, is yeah. sort of like yeah. this this aggregate that only takes form when it's needed in a certain way. So it's been mm-hmm. it's been like codified by capitalism to be what it yeah. is right now, but. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that it can't become something else under different circumstances. Different circumstances, yeah, 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 exactly. So, talking about um, different ways of dealing with anxiety and papering over the like contradiction. Mm -hmm. Like, do you do you know anything about Scientology, or like, do you like to Mm. to just stand aside from the film for a second? And like, it's interesting that he picked that as the subject, or that as the. That you know, I'm you know, it has the like L. Ron Hubbard vibe and aesthetic. And I think he chose, of, I think he chose like uh, 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 Scientology because he's basically it's the most sort of shoddy and kind of mm-hmm, like uh, mm-hmm. shaky sort of like belief system, even more than yeah. like than Mormonism, I think. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like I was listening to this, like, uh, reading this Welbeck interview, and uh, right before mm-hmm. the Charlie Hebdo thing happened, he was mm-hmm. like. He was like, "Oh, Islam is just like a stupid religion," and like he mm-hmm. would like comparing it to to Scientology is just nuts, you know. What? Oh, ridiculous! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just like uh, it, it, it. I think he was like sort of like the perfect person to fit this mm-hmm. role of like the cynic. Uh, yeah, this yeah. person that doesn't have the courage to not believe, so he has to believe through well. others, and and yeah. he's disturbed that that uh, Freddie can't, you know. So it's funny, <laughs> it's funny because um, I mean, not that I know anything other than going to like the Museum of Death one time and like googling <laughs> some stuff about Scientology. Oh my God. Um, have you ever been to like the Museum of Torture? Those are fucking horrible. Oh my gosh, so when I was a child, I do remember vividly, I must have been like four or five, um, we went to this um, uh, centre, I can't remember, it was like, oh yeah, the, like the dungeon, I think it was, it was in York in the UK, and they have them in London as well, it's like this museum that's like dungeon, a dungeon museum about like the way that they um, kept prisoners in the olden days and stuff, and... I remember like buying the ticket. My dad bought the tickets. Like, my older sister's like really adventurous and like gregarious and always been like up for like crazy shit, even when we were children. Yeah. And he bought the tickets and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. Okay. And then mm-hmm. as soon as we like got to like the entrance of the exhibit, there was a flayed body in <laughs> a, um, in like this, this like cage. And I just freaked the yeah. fuck out. And then, yeah, we obviously have to leave, had to leave. <laughs> That was another Freudian slip. I put it in the present tense. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it was uh, horrendous. These are actually Yuck. like um, these are like you know we it, we've sort of covered it over about like estranged or whatever. But with bo- we're mm-hmm. both like psychoanalyzing each other. That's what this whole 
yeah. Speak for yourself. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> the yeah. No, oh my god. My my parents used to like. I had really really. I had. Why did I say I had permissive parents? Like I have really permissive parents, and I don't know whether that slightly weirded me out. Doing like why would why would my parents take me to like the torture museum at the age of like four or five? What? I was like anyway. fourteen, but I remember being in there and just like, you know, I don't believe in ghosts or whatever. But yeah. I had this massive headache, like, and it went away immediately after I left. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> it's a weird place. It's like, weird. there's like an evilness to oh. it. I, do you know, also something I can't bear is um, a universal, that's universal, the theme park in LA. Yeah, and they have yeah. these like haunted, haunted houses with these actors that jump out at you. And they have this Halloween thing uh-huh. once a year. There's like all the month of October. I actually cried after going into one of those houses. Oh, <laughs> it's horrendous. You didn't it's like horrendous. the clowns? Oh, yeah, I think people take their girlfriends because it's like, oh, then I can like comfort them. Oh, cute. And I was just like, no, I just was crying. It's horrendous. <laughs> but it's funny how like, even though you know, even though it's like, obvious actors and even though it's like, ha it's a stupid kids thing. It's like horrendously scary. Yeah. Anyway. Do you- um, mm-hmm. no, but you know, I was just going to say about... Um, L. Ron Hubbard is that I'm guessing that in um, guessing again, always guessing. I, in my estimation, <laughs> he is was psychotic. Like he's got the he's this like prolific writer yeah. that wrote um, the, the he's got the highest number of words ever published, you know, record of all time type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. So do, do you said earlier that you think the psychotic doesn't believe in their own. No, I think I, they totally do believe. Yeah, they do own, believe. Like. They do believe, but I think that Freddy comes to mm-hmm. sort of disrupt the sort of like the natural habitat of his sort of psychotic mm-hmm. community. Um, yeah. Because he can't be like incorporated. And, uh, but the, the problem, because there's other people, because mm. there's other people in the movie that don't believe in what he's doing, but he's not in love with mm. them. And he is in yeah. love with Freddy. So, like, I think there's something there that he comes to bring to his, to his, uh, to his life. But at some point, he's just like, you know, I think it's impossible what you're trying to do, like not believe. And yeah. I think that's when his psychotic sort of thing comes out. It was just like, you know, go out there, and if you can live without a master like me, uh, mm-hmm. l- let the rest of us know because I think it's impossible. Nobody has been able to do it for millions of years. But I think he, he yeah, I think he believes, but it's it's a there's a sort of fragile and i think maybe that's when the, the possibility of him having like a break you know mhm yeah. it's interesting about the perverse subject and the post war era because in the um in 68 wasn't it like which is not so long after what we'll do um the perverse subject was like the the location of the overcoming of capital yeah you know it was like this this like they held the key to <laughs> but obviously like don't think that's true um, well that's like isn't wasn't that kind of like the ac- accelerationist sort of thing that's just like because they believe in capital like so much that mm-hmm. it can take it to its demise oh uh, yeah i guess it was the idea like the the slight um what well, my understanding is is like the the slightly like incorrect reading of early freud which is like just have sex and everything like you'll overcome <laughs> uh-huh. everything like uh, you'll civilization is, is yeah yeah you'll it's overcome. just the repression mm. yeah that's what i was just gonna say like y- you can yeah. overcome repression which is 
Yeah, no. Big mistake. It's like erectile dysfunction expressed, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, it's like, it's like, it's just like, uh, you know, it's what, it's like the easy answer, like frigging liberalism wants, but like all it's done is just accelerated and opened up a whole domain of capital. There was this guy. Silly. (laughs) <laughs> there was this there was this uh guy that that i've talked to a couple of times and he was like mm-hmm. he put a video up on up on facebook where he was like making out mm-hmm. with his sister and i was just like dude what's going on with you like i wrote him immediately and i was just like dude what are you doing <laughs> like, just like making out with his sister and he was just like uh um it's like oh you know we've we've always wanted to like sleep together but we don't do it just because we know it's a sin or whatever. I think he like he kind of always became religious when I would talk to him because he thought that mm. I was like very religious and I was religious, just like yeah. And I was just like, dude, this is not about like sin or whatever. It's just like if you keep on going down this route, like y- mm-hmm. you're you're gonna get erectile dysfunction. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, just like this this like uh, uh, injunction to enjoy like yeah. is gonna have a bad a bad end, you know? Yeah. Fuck. I know. I'm having such a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> God. Um, with the grimace on your face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, oh yeah, so going back to L. Ron Hubbard, like, um, yeah, no, sci- uh, Scientology is hilarious. I, did, I don't know if I've told you about this, like, being hounded by uh, Scientology for a little while because somebody who lived in... Uh, yeah, you got to tell us. The story. apartment we're living... Yeah, so the apartment that we were living in for a while had a previous person had the same surname who she went to some like Scientology thing clearly very frequently um, had the same surname as the flatmate and so Scientology like kept turning up to the apartment block trying to find this woman and then like not believing that we didn't know her or that we weren't like related to her in some way and they like kept coming and they'd like turn up in these like weird suits <laughs> like yeah. but like one woman it was hilarious like it took because it was like obviously security in the building like half an hour to like she wangled her way up and then i like had this whole like oh i'm really concerned for my friend Da-da-da-da-da. like completely pretending she wasn't from scientology and then they sent all this like scientology documentation yeah. to the person and we obviously like kept opening it which i guess is not it's technically not i don't know if, well not what you're supposed to do but yeah. it was very fascinating and then we went to the museum of death which is about um psych uh psychiatry mm-hmm. which is very interesting in that well being on the side of psychoanalysis there's like a yeah, grain yeah. of truth in what they're saying <laughs> but they obviously like just mm-hmm. you know it's very odd um and yeah. very funny but yeah yeah, no, that's great. Uh, do you think that... But they're uh, like, yeah, the no, go ahead. against medication and their therapy is just revolves around like aliens and being inhabited by weird shit. So yeah, yeah <laughs> they've yeah. just got a very complex explanation. Oh my God. That, yeah. yeah, amazing. And it's funny how like, you know, um, the explanation is like, well, you're just basically, you're just basically an, an accident and a, and a crack and a contrast and the unconscious is like not anything all powerful or underneath or something that has a message to save you it's like a literally a rupture yeah and people being like oh well psychoanalysis is like a whole system and it's a whole frigging like cult it's like well no you can't really say that about something that's like <laughs> built around antagonism as such yeah like all like what every what a cult yeah. or religion does is it like papers over the antagonism yeah and also i just whereas thought- like 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anytime that, like, for example, like infallibility of scripture or whatever for the Bible, mm-hmm. it obviously doesn't work. Not only because mm-hmm. the text itself is always so contradictory. Al- <laughs> not only because the, the the text is not always contradictory, but because oh, right. like re- like hermeneutics or like the like the way that people read mm-hmm. uh, or take in information is contradictory. Mm-hmm. So, like, you even have, like, multiple, you know, great filters there that make it impossible not to take into account, like, uh, like contradiction in whatever we desire to believe in. I was going to ask you, um, mm-hmm. it seems to me, and I might be wrong, but that Scientology has always, as a church or as an organization or whatever, like, they've always kind of kept to themselves when it comes to, like, political, the political sphere, like... You're not going to hear about, like, uh, Miskovich or whatever, like, talking about yeah, yeah. Like, weighing in on Trump or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Pope does and, you know, like, religious evangelical leaders do and even, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, like, Islamic uh, leaders or whatever, Buddhists. And, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. most of them will weigh in on political issues. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that gives them more credibility not not legitimate like authentic credibility but uh sort of just like n- narratives wise like do you think that that mm-hmm. makes them more i don't know I, I i would say less i would say less and and i'm not like a i obviously it's funny because like i think what is meant by like being a political person is not what i you know the like the um like basically the only politics I have is like the universal and that we all share, we all are yeah. share what we don't share that is the universal lack. So that's as far as I go politically, but I think it obviously has some implications. But I do think that there is a difference between a cult and a religion. Like I do think that. Yeah. <laughs> and that like obviously, yeah, there's grades of difference and things that are in the world. Like, because I, I think certain like something like that has such a totalizing explanation, like... Um, uh, Scientology and having had a toe in the new age myself like yeah. they're by definition apolitical because they, they don't read it in those terms it's like it's funny there's like a whole explanation to everything and there's a like oh but the universe takes care of it in some kind of way or like they yeah. are inhabited by da, da, da. so it's not like you have to be materially engaged <laughs> in the world to like actually act politically I think yeah and so when you have this like esoteric explanation for everything, it's like, I just don't think you'd give a shit because it's like, nothing's real. It's like mm-hmm. the new age thing of like, oh, well, you've manifested your existence. It's like, well, then how can you be political? Because like a homeless person deserves it if that's what you think, you know? Yeah. No, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, I, when I think about like my own life, because I grew up mm-hmm. like in a sort of, my parents aren't like fundamentalist Christians, but we did go to mm-hmm. a fundamentalist Christian uh, church. Mm-hmm. And maybe they were at the time, but uh, I kind of sort of believed with like these given, it's like self-referential truths of uh, mm-hmm. when it came to like answers to the universe and like how things work and uh, the motivations of people and like the mm-hmm. dead end of desire or whatever. And I didn't start questioning things until politics sort of like disrupted the the imaginary of like my religious Mm -hmm. beliefs and like it became sort of like this relational universal thing where you know like my beliefs were like being introduced into how the world 
works. So I think that mm -hmm. maybe a religious sort of like institution uh, uh, nearing itself to politics is sort of a dignified maybe thing to do because yeah. it's it's almost like self-sacrificial because if you don't introduce politics into religion then yeah it's a cult um, i know what was what was like jesus but like a political actor yeah but even that it was like, just a, like i sound like i seem like a freaking christian right now but i mean <laughs> yeah um but um no, yeah, it, no, it's, it, it's like on even the side of the yeah. of the scapegoat yeah no and it's like even like for example uh as a kid i grew up with this mm -hmm. like story and it's interesting that the the most like sort of radical or extreme repressions are what is being like taught to children so it comes like first mm -hmm. level it's like fundamental yeah, 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 which yeah. is like the story of like you know christ uh mm -hmm. you know like multiplying the fish and the bread for like a multitude of people and mm -hmm. it's interesting that basically the message there is like a sort of you know proto-communism where everybody mm -hmm. can contribute and it doesn't matter if you don't get to eat as long as like you put what's yours on the table and but everybody ate you know and mm -hmm. that was never taught to me as as a political act. It was always to me like, oh, look at this miracle, you know. Nicole, like, I know, I know. Well, yeah. there you go. There you have your like the hermeneutics of the Bible and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask you. I had two things, two like final thoughts about um, the master and about. Oh yeah, no, no. There's one kind of relates to um, how. Um, the covering over of miracles because obviously you have a mayo soup let's say uh, what mayo soup might interpret of the bible let's just say and mm -hmm. that um the place for the miracle means that you like in order for miracles to happen you can't explain them like if you if you explain that god did it then it's not a miracle and that um certain like something like scientology but, you know, wants to like paper over the miracle. Like if you're saying, well, are the Thetans, da 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 da, da that's next. It's like, it's like you're rationalizing in some way. It's not by definition a miracle. Mm -hmm. It's not like an explosion of like something unexpected because yeah. whatever being had a hand in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting about like uh, often, you know, times when people fall into um, totalizing belief systems. And so I think I had a toe in these things when I first watched The Master in the cinema in 2012. And I think it like really, well, no, actually, I think I just like left that kind of phase of my life. Yeah. Um, and I think there are, you know, many ways in which people, you know, you might want to paper over your anxieties in order to be able to keep going to achieve something, or you might be, you know, trying to cover over and explain your misery. You might want to, you know, there's various things, but I think there's also a tendency often of people who have um, the radical contingency of the universe has like granted them a nice life or success in some way that like on some level, of course, nobody deserves. Or you want to like replicate um, some miracle that's, well, some perceived miracle and like domesticate it and achieve it again. But actually mm -hmm. it's kind of like potentially a clever uh, death drive technique yeah. because by like believing in some utter bullshit mm -hmm. <laughs> you then yeah, yeah. like fuck up your life and then you having achieved it you're like oh well I want to you know and then therefore you're like distanced from said miraculous events and yeah. the lost object and then you can like start again yeah I just thought it was quite interesting because I think that like maybe some uh, something conversation sparked this thought in my mind recently um yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, so you were talking about like, you, you feel like he's got kind of aesthetic, a melancholic aesthetic, um, PTA. 
Yeah, be- and it's interesting that it's in the fifties, like because mm-hmm. I don't think that the whole catastrophe. Yeah. I don't think that the whole catastrophe after like '68 is because of '68, but because of everything that led to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that '50s sort of like enjoyment and I mean, I rem- like I, I when I was watching the movie again, I was just like remembering this this quote from Lacan where he's talking mm-hmm. about like at some point the enjoyment of the master became calculable. And I think mm-hmm. that it, there's a sort of new stride of subjectivity where it's like. Uh, I can see how much you enjoy, you know, being mm-hmm. like a cynical leader or whatever. And, you know, I think it, it's it's vulgar. It's like disgusting and I can take a part of it. It's amusing to me and I can even like try to practice the rituals. But there's a sort of barrier that doesn't allow. It's like we've talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but personally, where it's just like, you know, it's life is very delicate because there's a sort of dimension to it that if you see it, you can't unsee it. And mm-hmm. I think that seeing sort of like the self gratification of the master is like a pretty disturbing thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. To the point that you can't believe it anymore. You can't be incorporated into society. And well, it's basically alienation, you know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But, and I think that the master sort of like very perfectly embodies like the the symptom of like our new generation or the alienation of our, of our times. Uh, mm-hmm. which is this inability to be able to to believe in anything. And I think it has its merit, mm-hmm. and maybe there can be a dialectical sort of, uh, I'm not going to say progress, but a process of incorporating mm-hmm. this sort of like lively questioning, which I think it's, I'm not sure if it's hysteric or perverse, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's vital to include into something, but I feel like millennials sort of got the work of being perverse as such anyway that's like what i think about that's it, interesting and it's true that like basically each new antagonism is generative and yeah. then you overcome it and come to another antagonism so yeah. yeah and i think each each epoch has i i don't know how like you can define an epoch but there are you know there are moments definitely wider yeah. culturally that you have new sorts of antagonisms that have to be i don't know have to but then you know become over become and then some new antagonism takes its place yeah um yeah how do you do you have any thoughts in terms of how the master relates to phantom thread uh well it's worth mentioning that paul thomas pt anderson was like uh i think well because he was asked what he thought was like his best film or maybe he Mm -hmm. asked himself that question and just answered it in an interview but uh he said yeah he said that the master that he thought that he couldn't outdo himself when with it comes to I just thought it because I've heard a few interviews with P.T. Anderson and he's mm-hmm. he's talked a little bit about how he at some point in his life he had to discover that this sort of image of the writer the romantic image of the writer that is just like drunk and like uh, drinking mm-hmm. a whole lot and mm-hmm. like writing masterpieces so that was a lie mm-hmm. and um I just thought it was interesting. I think it's a lie that the that successful writers use to like keep out other aspiring writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like because they fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, no, but I thought that it was interesting that. Okay, so the basically the movie. I don't, you know, um, uh, they might even be distractions. You know, like the theory of it or whatever, uh, or you know, the, even the Scientology thing. Basically, mm-hmm. a lot of it is about alcoholism. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's interesting that that 
as a writer, I think that if he was dealing with alcoholism, P.T. Anderson, you know, who knows, but I thought that it was very interesting that sometimes what you think that can get in the way of you being a creative person mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. like, you know, like abusing a substance or whatever, it, yeah. it like you can use that and create something yeah. out of it. Like, you know, like it yeah. seems like he made a character out of like this sort of like impotent figure that is like alcoholic and uh, mm-hmm. completely powerless and like nobody believes like even his own son doesn't believe in him mm-hmm. and he's just like losing power like mm-hmm. that's not it's an it's basically a narrative you know that you can use and yeah and i think it's a very interesting no, it's true well like if you overcome obshay you get less than nothing yeah exactly you just and you know. that's maybe that's the formula for a masterpiece yeah. you know? <laughs> do you know it's funny because um i think we all like have things that we wish that if we overcame we'd like um you know be so much better or be able to achieve more create this real thing that we know that we're capable on some level but like yeah the it is it's the it's the thing that gets in the way that actually creates the possibility for it i have like um constant issues with uh being sick and i'm always like oh, if only da, 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 i lose so much time and oh, i have to worry about it when i'm like on set and it's such a disaster da, da, da. but yeah. actually it's like I think it's that which create, like, yeah. gave me the path to do what I do. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that, I would not be creating work, whether it's crap or whatever. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, as in, I would be, um, I wouldn't have an out of a conventional career. I like, I wouldn't have time to think. Yeah. Like, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I haven't quite like rationalized it or like s- thought about the symptom that much. But it's something that I realized recently after being like really like pissed yeah. off about being sick again. And I was like, oh well, actually, mm-hmm. I think it is. There's something to it that it is the thing that creates the possibility. Yeah. To do things. Yeah, but I think every and, and like and not. I'm not saying like, oh my god, I've got some special thing. I think everybody has something mm-hmm. that is generative of whatever course they have in life. Yeah. And it like it can be anything, and everybody's got their own thing. And I think nobody's special, or nobody has some special insight, you know, in mm. their suffering. But like everybody has their own thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do I, you do you have anything that you think like generates your creative work, um, or that historically caused it to happen? You know what? Like maybe, maybe. Although I, actually, that's a lie. Sorry, I just said like historically caused it to happen. Like maybe actually, it's not a cause; it's a result of two antagonisms. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I understand. Um, well, maybe that was, that's one of the reasons why I was like so adamant that we should have done the master because I feel like maybe mm-hmm. I learned something from it before the first time that I saw it that wasn't mm-hmm. useful to me at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think right now it's just that like, uh, you know, what we were talking about before that there's a sort of like uh, generative dimension to or a generative d- register to self-sabotage. And, mm-hmm. you know, self-sabotage doesn't have to get in the way of you being yeah. creative. Like, it can actually be the vehicle. And, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just, that I I don't know. I, like, it seems to me, at least when I think about, you know, putting pieces together of, like, maybe what what the director was, like, trying to get at, that seems, like, interesting to me. But I wanted to ask you a question about it, um, or about the movie, because, like, towards the end, mm-hmm. when Freddy is, like... He comes back to the ship and he um, 
you know, uh, it, it, you know, he was drunk all the time. Like he didn't end in well, like in good terms with with mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. Field, with Amy Adams and Seymour Hoffman. But yeah, because I think that <laughs> what he does is that like they they go to play a game at the de- in the desert and they're mm-hmm. just like riding a motorcycle like really fast and he mm-hmm. just he like in that moment when it's his turn to ride the bicycle like he just goes away. Sorry, the motorcycle. He goes away. Mm-hmm, he never mm-hmm. comes back <laughs> and he just like steals a motorcycle i guess but mm-hmm. anyway he meets with them i think again towards the end of the movie and amy adams is just like fed up with him and she's like uh you know like she, she asks him a few questions and he's you know he's, he's drunk and he's like weird and amy adams is like you know oh he can't be helped um there's nothing we can do for him like we already tried Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you about that. Do you think that there are certain people that are beyond help? You know, like, for example, taking into consideration, like, psychoanalysis, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people say that, like, like psychotic people, like, they can't be psychoanalyzed. I know they can mm-hmm. be treated in a different way, but because mm-hmm. of transference or whatever, like, they can't uh, be. But yeah, you know, there's always a thing that people are like, oh, leopards don't change their spots or like beyond a certain age, da 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 da. I don't know. I think, I think, I think everybody can. I, I think, I think, um, suffering in any kind can be lessened. I don't think it can be overcome, but I think ordinary unhappiness is possible. <laughs> ordinary um, unhappiness. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. But, um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Like I think Jameson was saying about certain, uh, like very very obsessive patients like so difficult to crack yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it's just like fuck um but yeah i th- i think so i think they can be and do you think it's like in their own way what do you think that not like, that i'm an expert you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah do you think it's but you know yeah sorry no no go for it <gasps> oh but you know obviously um Peter has this theory that the reason why, okay, the vastness of the universe, the infiniteness of the universe, that it is very strange. I think there's some theory, Furman's theory or something, that like, why is there no, um, why is there no other intelligent life? Like, why isn't there, why aren't we replete with like spacecraft from foreign universes appearing? Yeah. And this idea, I think, is that um, by definition, intelligent life will destroy itself. Yeah. So that's why, you know, it's like, okay, let's say that there is intelligent life, subjective life, but it always comes with some form of death drive. So Yeah, because the drive the of... Civilized, yeah. Because the drive the, um, of, of, of life is not... Of life is of, death, yeah. Yeah, not to expand or to... Mm-hmm. Well, maybe to expand, but just for the purposes of dying. <laughs> not yeah, exactly, so much so. to create community with other planets or whatever. Planets, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I guess... Um, yeah maybe that's like ultimately what we all want yeah um but do you think that a lie is worth it to believe in if it's going to make yeah Mm. i know with this freud obviously like has like this like intense dualism where like and you know there's this part of his interest well not interest his like analysis of religion is like that it has this like infantilizing aspect and we require crutches at certain times and Mm -hmm. i think like yeah, I mean, I'm not, 
see, it's, 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 so it's funny. I think there's like this revived interest in existentialism. I don't know if you've noticed. I feel like people are like re revisiting certain theorists and like existential the existentialists are some of them, but like that's obviously like radically thrown into the universe and letting it slap you in the face. But like I don't think there's anything wrong with like occasional self delusion. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's like the 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 non duped error, right? Like I mean, or yeah, exactly, the, the sort of like opposite yeah. of it. And it's that yeah. Well, that's a, yeah. I know the funny thing is though, yeah, like the non-duped air is like basically a play on the name of the father in French, and that you need the name of the father in order to create like a neurotic subject, and the neurotic subject like buys into the lie. But then, like obviously, yeah. there's the um, the non-duped air. Mm -hmm. But then I'm sure I don't know if there's like two ways. Oh yeah, well there's like there's like several there's like several Lacanian phrases that mean two things at once so it's yeah. like mm -hmm. whether you like it's like the is it the Kierkegaard like whether you marry don't marry you'll be miserable do this do that you'll be miserable <laughs> but yeah. like the misery is like not miserable if you read it in a different way potentially or I like that or I like that uh, Peter's thing was just like hey let gay people get married because then they can be as miserable as the rest of us <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah. I know that's the thing I think the only thing like yeah, death dry. So I guess the whole point is, is that you can't overcome death drive, but you can enjoy it. And by enjoying it or enjoying your symptom, yeah. the ravages of it are materially lessened and yeah. you can have a less difficult existence. Yeah. So I don't know, like maybe psychoanalysis is like the thing that like, so let's say humans not desire capitalist, capitalism, but capitalism is like a refraction, like a, not a refraction, like, like a flowering of their psychic structure. Yeah. And capitalism is death drive and accumulation. And obviously like climate change is like the prime example of this. And humans want that. And then psychoanalysis is like the thing that, because yeah, they want to like return to the womb, tomb. Yeah. And then psychoanalysis is the thing that maybe is like, well, you could slightly put the brakes on this a bit and like have a nicer time and like not kill yourselves. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's mm. the thing where it's just like maybe at the end of psychoanalysis or like literally end of psychoanalysis, like maybe when mm -hmm. you have to stop going with the analyst, it's this idea of just like going full circle where mm -hmm. uh, you allow for self-delusion, but you're aware of it and mm -hmm. you deal with it more as an adult, you know, rather than just like... You know, it's not like going to Disneyland, Disneyland or something like mm -hmm. that. It's um, it's more utilitarian, I guess. Like. I think that's you know when we're having that discussion about the prodigal son interpretation. I think that's kind of like maybe yeah. the dualism of it. So yeah, we're talking about the two sides of the same story. It's like you can yeah. have like both interpretations. Yeah, I think you're right. And like a yeah. renewed thing, like when you've broken free. I don't know if you can break free. Um but yeah, interesting. Well, you can't break free, but it's Very a, interesting. it becomes a vehicle to feel like you have, you know. Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like you see yeah. it's like a new a new light. Yeah. Do you know there's an interesting book I was just thinking about um that like I remember ages ago being like I want to make uh, so, you know, make a film out of it somehow. But who knows, that's potentially unfilmable is um 100 years of solitude. Mm -hmm. uh, and the perpetual like it's just like going back round and round and round and round and round it's an interesting one you know what I yeah. I am ashamed to say that I haven't read it I don't even know what it's about <laughs> well 
It's not yeah. Mexican, so... Yeah, it's Colombian, right? We're not lumping together all people from... No, but it's like a classic. South of the USA. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic, yeah. Yeah, it's a classic, like mega, mega classic. But all it- Latinx people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm reading like a... I'm reading this new one called um, Bella del Señor, which is like uh, okay. Beauty of the Lord or something like that mm-hmm. by Albert Cohen. It's so nice okay. to read like stuff that has been written in French, in Spanish. Really? It That's has, interesting. It has this I have a copy sort of... of um, uh, Madame Bovary in Spanish that my brother-in-law gave me as yeah. a present one time That's so maybe I should good. read it and see what it looks like yeah yeah <laughs> interesting anyway we Anywho, went, th- we went a, a little one. yeah we went along we went a little bit long with this one but uh yeah should we let's end it there let's end it there okay right. well thanks for listening um, until next time okay bye bye